This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, welcome back to another episode of Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am your co-host, Jalen Chan, with... My other co-host, John Mon. John, always good to see you. How are you doing? How are things going for you? Hey, Jalen. Uh, it's good. This week has been uh, it's been an interesting week, to say the least. Um, over the weekend, I had a chance to uh, give a workshop at a youth retreat, a youth leaders retreat at the church of um, one of our previous guests, Tony. And so that was a lot of fun just seeing Tony in his elements. He's not exactly a youth pastor anymore, but definitely still has the credentials and ability to work with young people. And so it was cool to kind of see him doing his thing uh, and then get to partner with him. So that was made for a busy weekend. Um, But the other interesting thing that happened this week at church was we actually had a power outage um, at church from Monday night till about like early Wednesday morning. So at least 36 hours. And so, you know, we knew that things were, you know, not everything was working, like alarm systems had were shutting down or things like that, whatever. I mean, there were emergency backup batteries and all that. But generally, we just didn't do a ton of work at church those two days or day and a half because there's no internet, there's no light. Um, Yeah. Anyways, once the power came back on on Wednesday, um, uh, a man came up to our office and uh, I think likely this person was homeless. And he came to tell us to inform us that our elevator had been broken for a few days. So it turns out that this guy apparently had went into the elevator probably to like sleep and escape from the rain, you know, a few nights ago. And in the process of doing that, the power went out and we had no idea that he was in this outdoor elevator at our church. And so he was uh, likely stuck in that elevator for those 36 hours. Um, So we felt really bad for the guy we had, we were like, you know, you definitely shouldn't be trying to sleep in there, um, you know, like something much worse could have happened if the power was out for any longer time than that. Um, so anyways, yeah, it made for a, a kind of a crazy story in church this week. I guess I've now been at my church long enough to have one of those crazy stories, which everyone eventually gets. Yeah, it's great that that guy was willing to like, tell you that he was there, right? <laughs> I, I don't mean... know if he was complaining or it was like, I'd like to file a complaint. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. I guess he just came back to let us know. Yeah. How about you? What's, what's your week been like? Uh, well, you know, I, I shared earlier episode that, uh, had a busy weekend recently. Um, and part of this past weekend was officiating my first indoor wedding since the pandemic started. And so that was, it was cool just to uh, be in that ministry setting and to officiate a wedding for a couple that, uh, is, close to both me and my wife. And so that was fun to, to be a part of and to see. Uh, and so it was long and exhausting, but uh, really, really just a blessing to be a part of that. 
but yeah, the other thing that I wanted to just touch on real briefly, because we often talk about Chicago sports is just how well the bulls are doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, you know, I can't get away from our conversation without talking about a little bit about how the bulls are doing. So I'm excited for how they're doing, you know, at the time of recording, they're eight and three, they're tied for the top spot in the East, uh, in the Eastern conference. And so, um, yeah, I think we talked about before on in, in the podcast how there's just we just had high hopes and it's it's actually coming true, right? It's it's actually happening. So is it that we have high hopes, Jalen, or that we have suffered through quite a few seasons in recent history of terrible, terrible Bulls basketball? And so now any glimmer of hope is sending us into a frenzy. It's probably a little it bit is, of both. It's both, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the thing is, like, you know, Chicago, obviously, like, our, like, the Bulls are supposed to be, like, a, like, a marquee franchise, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we've been irrelevant for so long. Like, aside from the Derrick Rose MVP season, like, we've had nothing since Michael we Jordan. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> I love it. This well, we could, do, we could do a whole episode on this, I know. Yes. But that's not why we're recording tonight. And so actually, instead, we have a friend of the podcast, a friend of mine, Anson Ng, is joining us. Anson is um, the Director of Leadership Development of the Metro District of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And I guess to give a, a short summary of what a district is in the denomination that we're a part of, Anson and I are a part of, churches are organized into uh, groups of churches based usually on geography, but not always. Um, Sometimes it's by cultural background. Um, And those clusters of churches are organized into districts. And so every district will have a district office where there's um, people that are leading, serving the pastors, serving the churches, uh, supporting the ministries that are are, um, in those regions. And so Anson is a part of that work. And so Anson, we're really glad to have you on the podcast. Uh, We know that you come from church ministry and you're currently serving at a district level. Um, but glad to have you on to talk about the Chinese Heritage Church. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. And so as we start, we usually ask the same question for all of our guests, but could you share a little bit about your ministry calling, uh, your journey into serving in ministry, and and even now what you're doing um, as part of the Metro District? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, born in Hong Kong, but even at a young age, I've met and had experiences of God in kind of the Catholic Church, um, because people from Hong Kong, if you don't know, they, a lot of the private school education system or even the hospitals, they're either set and founded by Anglican or Catholic missionaries. And so even at a young age, I was exposed to Christianity and coming, growing up when I immigrated here in the mid eighties, my dad brought us to the local Catholic church and in amongst kind of the middle school age, I've experienced like the tangible presence of God even in the Catholic Church like he was uh, it was so tangible the the experience of his love was visceral and I remember just in the litany and the regular like liturgy of the mass there was a couple of moments where I was just shaken with emotion and I was too embarrassed to show it to to my friends or my classmates that were around because it was a small town in New Jersey. And, and uh, when you're in middle school, you don't really want to show emotions at something like church. And so it was a profound 
moment for me. And I knew that Jesus existed. I knew that he died for me. I knew that he was real. And it wasn't until maybe after college. So I went to college, I studied economics and finance, and I started working that I began to seek a relationship with him. And it was really on 9-11 when I was working in finance, I was working in an office building on the corner of Wall Street and Water. And in that morning, that fateful morning, the towers collapsed and everything changed. Everything in New York City changed, everything about work changed, everything about life as we kind of knew it in the West uh, changed. And it was at that moment where God was like shaking me and asking me, what are you doing with your life? Like, you know that I'm real and all these years you've been just trying to make a name for yourself or trying to do life your own way, come back to me. And so that's when I started exploring a personal relationship with God, ended up in an Alliance church. And I was so hungry for God at that time that the pastor there saw how I just wanted to be a part of everything that had to do with God. I would go to prayer meeting. I would go serve the youth. I would serve, be a part of the college, young adults fellowship. I would do everything and anything I can to be a part of the body of Christ. And he was like, well, since you're pretty new to this Bible thing and theology, why don't you go to seminary? And so I jumped right in and got my MDiv in um, Nyack Alliance Theological Seminary. And in it, God did amazing things like there was spiritual surgery I guess and he was able to confirm my calling I had a really deep passion for missions and uh, just expanding the kingdom of God and it was through those networks of relationships throughout seminary throughout working in the church that um, brought me around full circle having been a part of Taiwanese churches. Um, I married to a wife during that time in seminary and she's Taiwanese. She grew up in the Taiwanese church. Um, I thought, and when I applied to seminary, I wrote down, what do you, what is your calling? What do you want to be? And I said, and I wrote down, I want to be a missionary to Taiwan. You know, one of the more unreached uh, people groups out there. And so I married my wife, found a position as a youth pastor in the Taiwanese church thinking I would gain some cultural handles as to how to cross culture, even amongst, um, I'm Cantonese, and so even amongst Cantonese to, to Taiwanese American culture. Um, after that, I came back to the Alliance and served at another Chinese Alliance church here in Queens. I live in Queens, um, in Flushing. And um, through these, the, the experiences over the years of ministry and the networks of relationships in our big tent in the alliance um the district superintendent um two years ago invited me to join the district staff and that's how i became part of the district team so can you um tell us just a little bit more about what your role in the district is like what exactly do you do i guess yeah how does your ministry area serve the local church yeah so as uh, sitting as the director of leadership development, my role and really what I tell people all the time is in developing leaders, it's all about alignment for your assignment. It was this word that we actually received from a speaker at one of our district conferences when I first began this role. And she, she gave us 
uh, a talk about how the Lord wants to align people to their assignment. And that's how I've seen my mandate in this role is to, for all of our official workers, all our ministers and pastors uh, developing into um, and, and, and leaning into their pastoral calling. How do we align these official workers to their assignment? Because every assignment is different. Every context is different. And so to do that, not only is licensing and ordination, consecration involved, so there's biblical and theological uh, formation, uh, but also leadership health, like the wholeness, the holistic health of a leader matters so much. So how do we come alongside our official workers to encourage, support, facilitate um, holistic health, emotional, spiritual, physical health? The other aspects of leadership development that I do um, is uh, equip people with opportunities to gain skills that so that they can apply what God has formed in them to live out their calling. So biblical theological fluency, leadership health, uh, expanding the leadership's uh, leaders capacity to lead through skills. And then all of this with the overarching emphasis on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So spiritual vitality, like how, if anything is ever going to get done, that is of eternal significance. It's not us who do it. It's the Holy Spirit in us. So how do we live a life that's empowered by the Holy Spirit? How do we become vessels of these jars of clay as broken as we are to allow the Holy Spirit to shine through us? And, and I think more than ever in light of the last two years with the pandemic, we've seen how even leaders have become very weary and we struggle and, and there are cracks in our leadership. Um, and if we allow ourselves to be God's vessels, how, how really light can shine through those uh, cracks and be redemptive at the end. Yeah, I love just your heart for developing leaders and Obviously, you know, with, as we've seen um, in in our in our country, uh, especially among like you know celebrity pastors, right? There there is this huge need for character over competency in in ministry, and I think that your role in helping shape the character of the next generation of leaders is so it's so critical it's so important and so i love that you have that heart and you know for us in this podcast i think obviously we're focusing on the chinese heritage church and so what i want to try and do is connect like your time in the chinese heritage church with what you're doing now um so let's i, I kind of back it up a little bit uh for you having spent time serving in the chinese heritage church what were some of the the joys of being part of a Chinese heritage church? And then also what are some of the challenges? Because obviously if we're truthful, there's always challenges in, in the Chinese heritage churches, but what are, what are some of the joys and challenges of being in a CHC? Yeah, so I think with, as with every culture, there are treasures and there are redemptive uh, graces or callings for each culture. And so I think starting with the strengths and the joys of the Chinese heritage church, so before we, my last position in a, a Chinese Alliance church, 
um, I was at a big multi-ethnic church, New Life Fellowship. So emotionally healthy spirituality, you know, Rich's most recent book, Deeply Formed Life. It was all about multi-ethnicity and emotional health. And going back to, and I felt my wife and I at that time wrestled with the invitation to go back to a Chinese ethnic church. And so, because it, it, it would be very drastically different, but the, the really pull and the confirmation that we got to go back was we were, ju- we had just had our second child. So she was a, a, a young baby at the time. And we were looking to the future and we missed that family context of having uncles and aunties. Like we wanted our kids to grow up in an environment where we did family well, like we eat together after church, you do life together. If somebody is hurt or somebody is in need, the the whole church family shows up. You guys are in each other's living spaces. And, and that's what I think is so strong in the Chinese, Chinese ethnic church. So I think, so after a couple of years of serving in the Chinese ethnic church, I found that evangelism was so easy to, in a homogeneous environment. So what I mean by that is in a Chinese church where you, you live in the heart of a, a very diverse area like Flushing, and there are a lot of Asian immigrants, and you have big Chinese characters in the front of your building. Well, the new immigrant who walks by and sees those Chinese characters is going to walk in and check it out, Christian or not, you know, because it's their mother tongue, it's their homeland, there's a, there's a residence there, there's a natural bridge there. And so people who needed help with translation for school, for government documents, for paperwork or anything like that for community uh, programs or after school would walk straight in, like not knowing Christ, not being exposed to any church culture whatsoever. They would walk in just because they saw the Chinese letters, see Chinese people eating Chinese food and be so naturally evangelized. It would be so easy just to share the story of the gospel and Jesus with them. And, and the, those natural bridges were very easy for new people, even the unchurched to walk across in a homogeneous environment. But I think when you got to the points of deeper dis- discipleship and you were challenging people to be sent out on mission to fulfill a great commission to go across the street to the housing projects and the public housing to do outreach to to that community it was a stretch it was hard there were walls that we rubbed up against and hit because challenging that ethnic identity which is which fostered a lot of these natural bridges and the unique draw of a Chinese ethnic church also was a double-edged sword because it served as a wall when it came to cross-cultural missions or discipleship in a way that that reaches out to other ethnic identities. Yeah, that's a you know that's a really keen observation. Uh, I think that as you were sharing about that, I was thinking, you know, Anson, that's your what you're describing initially. It sounds like a strength, right? It sounds like something, and it and it is. It is a value and a strength in the church, um, but can easily become like a hurdle or a barrier for Christ followers to really step into like like what's next, what's beyond, what's comfortable, what is Jesus calling us into? And yeah, I just think that's a really good observation. As you reflect on your time in 
the in the Chinese Heritage Church, uh, a couple different stops along the way. Um, has there been any anything or um, any experiences that have maybe shaped the way that you are leading now in your district role? Um, like lessons that you've learned that have translated well into yeah the ministry that you're doing now as you are developing pastors. I think some lessons I learned serving the district is primarily focusing on leadership development. I see how important and vital it is for the health and growth of a church. In order to be a vibrant gospel culture, a Jesus-centered community, I think it takes a leader, a healthy leader, who is humble, but yet confident in, in his calling in the Lord with the right amount of character and competency to create a culture to set vision and to drive mission. I think leadership development is key. And sometimes I think you use the word detriment. I think the strength of being a family in the Chinese heritage church, that family emphasis can be a detriment to leadership development. And what I mean is, I think inherent in leadership itself is conflict. I think as a leader, you're just going to, once you set vision, there are people who are not going to like it. People just as creatures of habit, we don't like change. We don't like to try new things. We are creatures of comfort. But as a leader, when you're setting vision and you're taking a community from point A to point B, there is bound to be conflict. And I don't think when the emphasis is solely on family, I think navigating those conflicts could be hard or you don't just don't have the energy or you don't want, you don't have the motivation or the drive to deal with it. So maybe what I've learned in the district role as, as the director of leadership development is the local churches, uh, especially Chinese heritage churches can do well by um, being intentional in their leadership development, creating those pathways to develop new leaders, um, creating pipelines and steps for new leaders to emerge. And then, embracing conflict as a natural way of doing that and and what I like the term that I think Mike Breen has a little small red book about he calls it family on mission and so I don't think it's at uh it's not mutually exclusive like not at the neglect of one or the other I think a church that's growing and that's multiplying and that's fulfilling the great commission has to have that family dynamic but also has to be on mission. And I think when we emphasize too much on family and relationships and harmony in our Chinese culture, we can do that to the neglect of mission. Yeah. And, you know, I think you're touching on this a little bit, but what are some other challenges you think face the Chinese Heritage Church in developing leaders who do that well, who do evangelism and discipleship well, who do mission well, um, even in the context of being a family? Um, what are some other challenges you think are, are facing our churches? Yeah, I think maybe just my first thought when you when you said that is the challenge of blurring the line of who ultimately what defines our identity. Is it the Chinese immigrant story or struggle? Or is it the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and how that power transformed me? So am I a, a Christ-centered, is my identity based on the work of Christ? and him and him alone, Christ himself and him crucified? Or is it, hey, we get together because you and I speak the same language and we eat the same food and we have the same Chinese immigrant story? 
Um, I think that, that that identity piece gets blurred sometimes. And those, while those natural bridges can be strengths, I think we can maintain and live comfortable by staying on just one bridge without continuing to build those bridges further out and crossing other seas or waters. Yeah, I love how you just described that or had the picture in my mind of, we talked so much about building bridges, you know, and, and how those like hold the weight of truth. It's how you um, share the gospel through relationship. And um, I, I love that picture where if we are only building that one bridge, then we may be losing or missing out on uh, what God intends for us to do. And, and so the reality is that we have to be building many, many bridges into different places that stretch us beyond what is, like you said, what's comfortable, what feels like family alone. And so I really appreciate that insight, Anson. You know, as you've been talking about developing leaders, um, I, I just think about like one of the things that I've talked with Jalen about before is how much I really enjoy being a part of the, the CMA, a part of the Alliance. Um, and a big part of that was that in my own development as a pastor, um, there were so many ways that my district office really uh, poured into me, like both, not just for like, you know, I got licensed, got ordained and went through all of like the work of that, but also um, did soul care was a place for me to, um, to be challenged and grow and to have someone to talk to in very difficult seasons of ministry. Um, and, and so I know that, that for me, like I was developed as, as a leader because of people like you that were in, you know, I wasn't in your district, but in my own district back in the Midwest. Um, but I can imagine for a lot of Chinese churches um, and maybe for some of our listeners, they are either serving in churches um, that don't necessarily have that network um, that's pouring into them. Uh, and they're uh, really just kind of thinking like, what's our local ministry look like? What are some practical ways that a, a church can really develop their own people, develop leaders within their uh, within their borders if they don't have like the easy access to a resource like a district leadership development director, you know, things like that. What are some ways that the Chinese Heritage Church can really um, develop leaders with among them? Yeah, so within the local Chinese Heritage Church, I think letting go of control and being comfortable with taking risks is a challenge that I would put forth to, to leaders in, in trying to develop new leaders in the Chinese Heritage Church. I think we have this wisdom about our culture that whatever is old, whatever is of the past, whatever worked before is wise. It's the sage. And whatever's new, they're just young bucks and they're new, they don't know anything. And it's not to be trusted or tried. I think the, the, East, the East and the West has flipped that around because I think in the West actually it's flipped where everything new is innovative, is to be embraced, is to be tried. Uh, we, let's take the risk because the greater the risk, the greater the reward. And whatever is kind of ancient or old is obsolete, is done away with, and we don't need to regard any of that. Well, I think it's a both and, it's not either or. And so allowing our perspectives to open up, to release control to the younger generation, not really be so quick to judge on the outset that young people have nothing to say or their voices don't matter because they don't have life experience is something that I would focus on or encourage in developing new leaders. But at the same time, not to say 
that everything happens at the speed of trust, I think, you know, for so the young person just because they have a new brand, great new idea and it's trending and, and there's, there's seemingly quick fruit about it doesn't mean necessarily that's the will of God immediately for the whole church. There is a wisdom in, in earning trust, a wisdom in, in wise counsel, a wisdom in embracing, uh, I guess, like a communal hermeneutic when it comes to discerning the will of God, rather than saying it's the first generation, they're always right, or is the second generation, they're always right, or is the new people or the old people. Not to have that dichotomy to say, but to really embrace the body of Christ as a whole, to embrace and, and let go of some of the prejudgments, like not to judge people on the face value of categories of who they look like and what we have always thought, but to take those risks to empower new leaders in the younger generation. Yeah, and I think that's such an important point because, you know, I, I would like to think that for, for those of us who are second generation or third generation but particularly like second generation, we exist in sort of that both and, right? And I, I would like to think, I would hope that for some of us who are Chinese American, that we have, like you said, that 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 understanding of you know the East, where there is the emphasis on the traditional, on what is tried and true, but also we've grown up in this American context where there is an emphasis more on like the new and the innovative. And so for us as second gen leaders. There, there's hopefully this balance that we can achieve where we do we do learn from the first gen and we say, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the things that you've learned and you're teaching us. But let's also look at, you know, how we've grown up and some of the things that we value and sort of the, the newer things that we can try. And, and for, like you said, I, I love that statement that you said that, uh, things move at the speed of trust because certainly uh, there's trust on both ends that needs to happen. And yeah. I think when that happens, you can have, like you're saying, you achieve, a, 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 I think, a healthy balance of both sort of that East and that West, that older and that newer, and really, you know, obviously keeping everything under the banner of, of scripture and right. uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. Like there's much fruit that can be born from that. And yeah. I think that's such a wonderful insight. So sorry, yeah. I know you're going to keep going with that question, but I just want to jump in. No, yeah, I think it, you've brought to mind because we had no choice. I think as second gen, 1.5 gen, whatever you call it, third culture kids, we had no choice but to do both in because really we grew up, we grew up in this world where on the outside, we look like the first generation, but the inside, we feel very much like our multitude of uh, skin, skin toned, uh, friends and peers and so we've had to navigate that balance of the both and because it, it was who we are we embodied the two-in-one inside of us and so yeah there's there's great beauty in that and yeah I, I think some of the other the other two or one or two aspects of developing leaders within the local church is incorporating prayer. I think the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and you mentioned under the banner of the word that we hold high the regard to the authority of scripture. So both word and spirit, but teaching our people in the Chinese heritage church, how to access the power of those two, like not just tell people to go and pray and go and read the Bible, but 
do it with them. Like teach them to access the power that comes through praying the word of God or meditating on the word of God. I think as Asians, uh, there might be a tendency for some of us to be more cerebral in our understanding of cognitive truth and our discipleship approaches may be more cerebral or cognitive. But I think to raise up leaders who can not look to the professional clergy as the mediator or the pastor or the you know, ordained minister as, as the mediator to spiritual access or accessing the power of God, but teaching our young people, our new believers, the people we're discipling, how to go to Jesus himself through the word and the spirit, I think is immensely powerful in developing and yeah, raising up new emerging leaders. Yeah, we love it, Anson. Thank you just for sharing your wisdom and your experience and, and even the work that you're doing now um, with this podcast and with our listeners. You know, as we wrap up, we like to kind of finish off with the, the same question for every guest. Um, but what would just be one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? For all everyone who's been called to serve in the Chinese Heritage Church, I think and my piece of advice and encouragement would be to know that you're part of something bigger, that your own local church and your even your own beautiful tradition and culture is only one part, one piece of God's big, wide, global family. And that there are what unites us, how we have common spiritual core values and when we unite under that premise with our other brothers and sisters in christ uh, rather than than just staying within our own cultural boundaries unlocks so much redemption so much beauty so much of the picture of the image of the new heaven and the new earth that the world longs to see i think when we understand and are convinced that we are part of a wide kingdom of God, a big, vast, diverse kingdom of God. And while our, our role to play in this part of his vineyard is just local and, and where we are, putting it all together is, is immensely beautiful. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that word. Thanks for helping us set our minds on things that are above and not just on things that are here below. I, I really appreciate that word. And thanks again, too, for your heart, for the work that you're doing. Thanks for opening us up to just thinking more and, you know, having better ideas of how we can develop leaders in the CHC. Uh, thanks again, Anson. We really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me here today. Thanks, Anson. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.